stand right where you are, take your Bibles out, and let's go to uh, Luke uh, chapter 4. And, uh, you know, we are steadily discovering and uh, giving uh, careful study to the life of Christ. And our subject has been, what did Jesus do? Would you say amen? amen. How many during this time of fasting have had an opportunity to read the Bible? Amen. Yeah, hope so. Hope so. How many have been going to bed earlier? Yeah, yeah, I've been going to bed about 8 o'clock. You know, all this time I've been saying, y'all laughing, but I've been saying, ah, you know, I want to get up at 3, 4 in the morning. Uh, the Lord says, start going to bed early. And you can get up. Come on, say amen. I've been getting up at 3.30, 4 in the morning, spending time with God. I'm not saying that to sound spiritual because I wasn't doing it before. Come on, say amen. I'm just telling you that this fast has helped a brother's spiritual life out. And I don't know if it's done it for you, but how many have been getting into the word during this time? Have you been getting in scripture and studying? Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God's been answering prayer. Anybody getting prayers answered? Anybody been getting any prayers answered? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have, we've been praying. We've been praying real hard for my, my wife's job situation. And the minute that we got the most discouraged and began, by the way, let me just point this out. Have you noticed that you've been able to hear God very clearly and the devil? Now, when you fast, you hear God clearly and you can hear the enemy clearly. That ain't a bad thing. At least you know who's talking to you now. At first, you thought it was you. Uh, thank God you know who, who's talking now. And so many enemies just have begun to discourage us. I mean, we had a, a day from hell. I can't think of no other way to say it. Oh, man. And then we just begin to call out on the Lord. Thank God for this fast. No television, no Facebook to take up the time. We just start praying and calling out to God, confessing his promises. The same day, same day, got an email. Come on in here, somebody. Say, come on in and start work on April the 1st. Come on in here, somebody. Woo! I'm psyched up. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord. Anybody else got testimonies like that? Do you have a testimony? All right, well, we'll see you on Wednesday night. My turn now. Come on, say amen. Come on, see, see you on Wednesday night and come and just share what God is doing. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 4. Let me get into this. I'm just, oh, I'm just geeked today. Fired up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank God, uh, Pastor uh, Hurst and his wife are here with us today. Lord, Lord gave them a little sabbatical. You know, and, and you know me and my wife do that from time to time. We just, we just get away. And uh, because of the weather, he was not able to get away like he wanted. So he said, I'm just going to come on down here and hang with y'all. So don't y'all be silly and start texting folk. I mean, he don't care anyway, but don't be silly. He's here to relax. Come on, say amen. amen. And before the service is over, we're just going to pray into their lives that God will continue to bless our sister church over there. Doc, just a blessing to have you here today and uh, to be uh, in your midst. Um, Luke 4 is our text, and uh, let's, let's just get right to it. The New International Version, the text is on the screen, and we're going to start what I told them, verse 14, and that's exactly where they are. And I thank God for what they are doing back there. And they are on top of things. The Bible says, Luke 14, together the Bible says, Jesus returned to Galilee. Come on, read with me. The Bible says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the, uh-huh, keep reading. And news about him did what? Throughout the whole what, everybody? Mm-hmm. 
Next verse. All right, go on to verse uh, number 16. The Bible says, And he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And this is what he read. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. How many can say today that the spirit of the Lord is on you? Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And come on now. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's just give God a hand praise for his mission. Yeah, you must not realize how jacked up you are. You should have been praising him there. Thank God he came down here to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and re release oppressed folk. Verse 20, the Bible says, and look at the story, the Bible says, Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant or the elder or the pastor of that synagogue and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled. Oh, he a bad boy, y'all. Uh, verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And they said this, isn't this Joseph's son? Verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Verse 24, I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's, Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. The Bible then goes on to say, verse 27, Jesus continues talking and says, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Verse 28, all the people, now watch this, y'all. <laughs> uh, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him, I'm talk, we're talking about Jesus, drove him out. Some of us still driving him out. Yeah. Drove him out of town, and the Bible says, and, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But the Bible says, but he walked right through the crowd yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and went on his way. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, the title of this message today is Welcome Home, Jesus. Welcome Home, Jesus. Welcome Home, Jesus. Um, again, 
just want to emphasize to you the importance of seeking God in fasting and in prayer. Um, you will not be able to hear God's word the way you ought to if you are not taking advantage of this opportunity. Well, the Bible starts with the life of Christ with his birth. It then tells us very little about when Jesus was a little boy. The only thing we know is that the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature with God and with man. So we are to assume that, that, that all we know is that as a child, he had great relationship with God, with who everybody? And he had great relationship with man. Jesus was balanced even as a child. And then we fast forward about 17 years, and the Bible says at 30 years old, how old was he, everybody? 30 years old. Yeah, Jesus was 30 years old living at home with his mama. But when you live on purpose, it don't matter. Come on, say amen. When you live on purpose, it doesn't matter. Jesus was on purpose, even though he was at home supporting his family and working with Father as a carpenter at the appointed time. Somebody say at the right time. At the right time, God said, it's now time to start your ministry. And of course, we studied there on how the power, one of the things you see about the, the early parts of Jesus' life is that it was all spirit-led. Everything was spirit-led. Everything had to do with the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He was, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And when he came out of the wilderness, uh, look there at, at Luke uh, chapter 4 and, 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 and around verse 14. The Bible says when he came out of temptation, the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Everything, stay right here. Everything, stay right here. If you're trying to be like Jesus, you need to be a person who, who has an appetite for the Holy Spirit. You ought to talk about the Holy Spirit. You ought to make statements like the Spirit led me to do stuff and not be lying about it. You, you, ought, you ought to be consumed with his direction in your life. How many realize right now that, that, that even when you're praying, it is the Holy Spirit that takes your prayers to God? Everything that the Christian has on its side right now is the Holy Spirit. You cannot call yourself a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes you saved. The Bible says we are sealed by him for redemption unto the day of salvation. Everything is in the Spirit. And we look here carefully at the life of Christ. Everything Christ did was spirit power. Jesus didn't accomplish anything because he was God. Everything Jesus accomplished, he accomplished because he had the Holy Ghost just saturated all in his being. And uh, that should have been a good point for you right there to just shout and say amen. Because uh, the Bible, we, we, we told you a few weeks ago, the Bible says greater. Somebody say greater. The Bible says that we as believers will actually do greater. Oh, Lord, 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 help. Thank you, Lord. We will do greater, come on, where y'all at today? God, give me a church up in here. I've been waiting a long time to preach. Y'all better get with a brother today. The Bible says, he, he says that we can count on the idea that because we have the spirit, we, we, you, you will do greater things than Jesus. Now you try to figure that out for a little while. See, that not mess with your brain a little bit. So everything was driven by the Spirit. What, 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 we, what you cannot see in this text, get your Bibles out and go there to Luke 4. What you cannot see, let me just set the context a little bit. What you cannot see in this, 
Welcome home, homecoming for Jesus, if you please. By the way, his homecoming turned into a home going. Mercy, mercy Lord. It started off as a homecoming, and the next thing you know, they tried to kill him. But if you notice, if you, know, if you look carefully at this passage, uh, you will notice that right after Jesus' temptation, we go into this story about him going home. Now, now we're, we're trying to study carefully the movements of Jesus, especially early in his life. And it looks like just from a perfunctory reading of the text that Jesus is tempted. And when he comes out of temptation, he goes home. Now, what the text does not tell you and everybody need everybody to follow me on this point is crucial to where we're going today. Almost Carl, Carl, oh my God, used Carl last week. Uh, oh, thank God. Man, the Holy Ghost. Uh, now, he made threats about me on the pulpit. But the Lord used him anyway. Come on, say amen. So uh, notice now, if you, if you carefully look at the text, it will seem like he went from temptation to going home. But, but, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke leave out the whole first year of Jesus' ministry. That would be, a, that, that's, that's a good thing to write down. That, so while you're studying, you'll know what you're studying. A whole year had gone. Jesus' first year of ministry is not recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. But in John chapter 1 through 4, we get a bird's eye view of what happened in the first year of Jesus' ministry. And one thing that we must come to understand is that Jesus was doing some radical. What did I say, everybody? He was doing some radical. I mean, he was doing some out. We talk about out of the box. Jesus blew the box up. I mean, but notice that the text says that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. In order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 men. 10 men. Women did not matter. You had to have 10 men. And one of those men was the leader. Inside the synagogue itself, it was not set up like our modern day churches. But men sat on one side and the front, and the women sat on the back and were to be quiet. When Jesus started his ministry, one of the first things he did was go to a place called Samaria in John the fourth chapter and started ministering to a woman of bad reputation. You see what I'm saying? He was radical. And then he sent this woman out to preach and teach the word of God. Jesus is no respecter of person. He does not respect male nor female. He does not respect how long you've been in the church and how, how, how soon you've been in the church. He is not respecter of titles. He is not respecter of positions. The only thing that Jesus respects is willingness. And that's why some of you get no respect from Jesus. That's why God doesn't do anything extraordinary in your life. Because you're too stingy with the thing. Come on, talking. You're too stingy with the things of God. God says, I bless willingness. So, so, so a year has passed now. And, and what we are to assume, notice now, and the reason why this is important, is because Jesus has not been home for a year. I'm talking about like home for real. Like he has a home. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about his home where his mommy and his daddy and his brothers and sisters. You do know Jesus had brothers and sisters, right? He had brothers and sisters. Jesus was the oldest. He had brothers and sisters. He had cousins. He had nephews, etc. Watch this now. But, 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 but Nazareth is not like Galilee where Jesus decided to live. Now, if I had time today, I'd talk about how when Jesus was called, the first place he decided to go and live was in the hood. He went and moved in Galilee. Galilee had four million people there. 
That area had four million people. Jesus was not trying to avoid people like most church people do. Jesus was going where people were. Okay. He went where people were. And, and, and Galilee was a mixed multitude, not only of Jews, but a lot of pagan and heathen people. And, and so Jesus said, that's where I'm going to live. So for a year now, he's been gone from home. And he figures, I think I need to go in and check on home. Now, all this time, there's been a buzz that's been created about all the stuff that this hometown boy, Jesus, has been doing outside of his home. Word had started getting out. His mother and father, I can see them bragging in various circles about what they heard their son did at various times. Uh, uh, people that babysat him are, are all geeked and excited about, about the idea that he's coming back home. And, and you need to know now that Nazareth only has a population of 200 people, according to scholars. So this is a small, tight-knit group of people. Nazareth is about the size of the Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church. This represents Nazareth. So the idea of him coming back home created a lot of buzz in the area. He's a hometown boy. He had made something of himself. And, and remember now, Nazareth is not known to be a place where successful people come from. Was it not Nathaniel that even said of Jesus, he says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So, so the idea that this homeboy, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to talk about LeBron James in a minute. Uh, this homeboy who was from Nazareth leaves Nazareth, and he doesn't just go and make folk proud. He goes and he crashes the proud ceiling. He's healing. He's setting people free from demons. He's resurrecting the dead to life. He's doing stuff that they only knew that God could do. And so now I can see it. It's, it's the week before Jesus is coming, and I see folk putting up banners. Welcome home, Jesus. <laughs> I see folk at the screen printers getting their t-shirts. I was Jesus babysitter. <laughs> I see folk getting, getting, getting everything in line. Folk are talking about, I'm just going to prepare this nice meal because, because he, he said he's going to come over and visit me while he's here. And all the plans are being laid and all the anticipation is being laid. Little children that have never met him before are running around imitating him. They're, they're touching one another and people are being healed and, and they're playing church and, and the parents are talking about it at the dinner table. People are excited about Jesus coming. Oh, let me just pause here. This ain't really my sermon today. But I just want to know, do I have a church full of folk who are excited about the coming of Jesus? Is there anybody who's putting a banner on their heart saying, welcome home, Jesus? Is there anybody excited about the idea like we used to be as Seventh-day Adventist Christians about this truth that he will come and he will come with power and great glory? Is anybody excited about the truth of the word of God that said in yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry? Have I got anybody in here today that's geeked and excited about a coming king? Jesus' mom, all week now, has been preparing his favorite foods. Now, I ain't going to get into that. Because if I just kind of went what Jesus might like, some of y'all going to get mad. The foods are being prepared. The house is being cleaned. It's his, his favorite spot, his friends, they're, they're all getting ready for the coming of Jesus. 
<laughs> so he finally comes. The day has arrived. And he comes on the Sabbath. The Bible says, as was his custom. Notice now, though, he's not coming just to a church he had been to before. He's coming to the church he grew up at. His Sabbath school teachers are there. And they're just overjoyed. You know how, you know how we go all out for special days? Yes. You know, stuff that they never did at the synagogue, they were doing now because Jesus was coming. You know, folk are trying to impress Jesus. And so, and so people are carrying themselves in such a way. People are talking in such a way. People are, people are, people are, are so full of anticipation, they're just acting out of themselves. Because Jesus is coming. He's our boy. The boy that made us proud. Word of God says that when he comes in, I can see everybody just stand when he enters the place. I see some people in the, in the crowd with their, with their t-shirts on saying, Welcome home, Jesus. <laughs> as, he, as he ascends to the, to the place of teaching, I can see folks say, Jesus, I, do you remember me? Some of the old men that worked with his father give him a firm handshake and, and say, Welcome home, son. I hear the whispers of, of the elderly saying, We're so proud of you. Tears have streamed down people's faces because nothing really good has ever come out of Nazareth. Have you felt that way before? Uh, maybe you had somebody in your family that went on to college and, and went on to med school or maybe went on to do something great. Maybe they became a ball player or something. I don't know, but, but there is a special feeling that you have when one of yours leaves where you came from and they go on to do something extraordinary. So now the excitement is there. I don't know if y'all feel this thing like I do. They're waiting. The anticipation is high. Praise team is on point this day. (laughs) They ain't sang a new song in 20 years. They've prepared all new music now. The elders now, when when they get up to do their part, uh, normally uh, when Jesus ain't there, they just just rumble through their things. But now they got a five-minute sermon before everything. And they're looking over at Jesus to see if he's impressed. The ushers have decked themselves out in their special attire. The musician is playing out of her mind on this day. They're ready because Jesus is here. And the Bible says that the time finally comes for Jesus to give the sermon. The attendant... (laughs) Who is like the pastor of the synagogue? 200 people, y'all. The whole town is there. And some from other towns have come. The synagogue is packed! Packed out that day. They don't even got no parking spaces for the camels. (laughs) Not Not enough trough space for the horses. It's packed! Jesus is here! Bible says, after all the preliminaries are done, you know how it is when, it's a, when a special person comes back. You ain't even paying attention to the preliminaries. You're just waiting for that moment to come. The attendant stands up and after he has read his portion, he now, the Bible says, takes the scroll and hands it to Jesus. 
I, I can imagine it. Maybe with trembling in his hand. Because he knows, he's heard that when Jesus preaches, people get healed. He's heard that when Jesus opens up his mouth, that dead folk come to life. He's heard that when Jesus preaches, lepers begin to receive healing in their body. He's heard that at the mouth of Jesus, that deaf ears are opening and with trembling in his hands. The Bible says Jesus takes the scroll. And they said his book of Isaiah. And in my mind's eye, they gave him the book of Isaiah, but he himself chose. He said, no, 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 no. I can see the attendant saying, oh, well, you, would do a, you would do serious justice to this text, Jesus. Jesus said, no, 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 this is my text today. Word of God says he turns to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 was one of the favorite texts of the Jews because it talked about the Messiah and him coming. And, but more specifically, it gave them nationalistic pride. You know, some of y'all don't like Barack Obama, but just be honest. When you see homeboy up in his black suit and, and, and he's telling white folk go here and he's telling Korean folk go here and he's telling Asia, he's telling Latinos to do this and, and, and he stands and he salutes and, 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 they, and they let forth their guns and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the airplanes and helicopters, they, they pass over the sky and they call him, don't even front, I don't care if you can't stand him, but you feel proud. politics but anytime one of yours y'all ain't feeling this in here today I've not been here since C.D. Brooks has come to preach but I just can imagine some of you just all out of yourselves oh y'all know why I can't get this quiet in here now oh he he baptized me (laughs) oh I used to carry his Bible I sat right there when he preached and all the memories coming to your mind and all the memories are flooding their mind as a boy they had always known he was special they had always known he was going to accomplish great things and now he stands with the word of God in his hand and the word that he chooses is Luke 61 I want y'all to go there I want you to go rather to um, Luke chapter 4 Isaiah 61 is his text I gotta read this notice what comes out of his mouth the Bible says he stands there with a plum and poise. Uh, if you read this Eye of Ages, Eye of Ages says that, that there's a glow on his countenance. It said divinity flashes through humanity. So that when he stands up, people just have to pay attention. It's not like when I stand up, some of y'all pay attention, some of you don't. But when Jesus stands, even the sleeping children come out of their slumber. There he is. The word is in his hand and, and he is the word. Uh, the, the desire of ages says that he is the fulfillment of that which he's going to read and then he stands there and with an eloquence that cut through the heart of every believer he declares the spirit of the Lord is on me and he looks in the eyes of some of the people for he has anointed me <laughs> To preach good news to the poor. Here, you know, poor folk are saying, yes, preach. Uh, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And they like that text because it bespeaks of the fact that they are under Roman captivity. And maybe Jesus is saying, oh, he's going to come and he's going to take charge of his army. And he's going to bring down the Romans. Preach, Jesus. 
I ain't making this up. Read the Zion Rage. The Zion Rage says that throughout his message that there is a replete of praise the Lord's and amens. Jesus can't even get through the text. Folks are shouting, preach to Jesus. You know how some folks just lose it just to get attention. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then he goes on, he says, and recovery of sight for the blind. Blind man sitting there says, today is my day. Somebody nudges him and says, today is your day. And, and then he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But if you study carefully, you'll find out that he left out a whole phrase. And it was the phrase, and also to exact the vengeance of our God. But notice now, Jesus intentionally left that phrase out because that's what they wanted to hear. You know, so there's like the extent, you know, when y'all know how y'all love when, when a preacher is in fifth gear. And he said, we got the truth. Preach it like we preach it. Some of y'all want to shout right now. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And don't let him have that prophetic tremble of you, this voice. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Even though, even the old Adventists, yes! Preach! Get up! Oh, this one. Come out of Babylon! Receive not her plagues! You old school folk, like, yeah, get them, preacher. Y'all really love when you say, take off that jewelry and clean up them, 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 them plates with all that, 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 that foul food you got on there. Pull down them skirts and pull up them blouses. And some of y'all say, yes, preach. <laughs> but on this Sabbath, Jesus said, I'm leaving that out because that's what they want to hear. Oh, y'all please hear this today. He left out the point that said that music is too loud. Too much celebration going on. We need a serious church because we live in serious times. Y'all love that. Jesus said, I ain't putting that in my notes today. You need to know that I'm coming for the desperate. You need to know that I'm coming for the hungry. You need to know that I'm coming for those that recognize their need of me. Bible says, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. Now, know this. In that culture, the preaching occurred from a seated position. So you only read the scripture standing, but when it was time to teach, you sat down. The Bible says Jesus sits down. And know, and know now that the place is buck wild. Y'all know how y'all are when y'all like to hear what you like to hear? You know how we do that? We do that all the time, Pastor Earth. They'll say stuff like, oh, that's my kind of preaching. You fool. Every time God stands up and the Spirit of God speaks through somebody, that ought to be your preaching. But we have this little, we like to hear what we want to hear. And if you don't say it the way we like for you to say it, then we ain't going to receive it. But the place is going bananas. Folks are high-fiving each other, man. 
I mean, people, I mean, the people flipping over the pews, they're saying, man, a, a Messiah has come. <laughs> and now all this drama is going on with a voice that pierces and cuts right through the pandemonium. Jesus said, this scripture has been fulfilled on this very day. There's a silence that is deafening. The old men are now leaning over to one another, <laughs> saying, did he just say what I thought he said? <laughs> the mothers of the church are on the other side and, and whispers are now occurring and, and they're starting to process what he said. And then after it finally hit them, I can see the leader standing up and saying, isn't this Joseph's son? Now before, he was our boy. That's Jesus. He the Messiah, y'all. I knew that boy was going to be something. But now, oh, y'all, please hear me today. But now that he is saying things that they don't want to hear, you better get this in your spirit today. What, what, what God has given me to share with you is that most of us have a problem hearing. Dude stands up and he's like, isn't this Joseph's boy? And before he even has a chance for anybody to respond, Jesus said, I'm not finished. He goes on to say, he says, uh, surely, Zarbe said, he reads their minds. Surely you're thinking right now, physician, heal thyself. Or he explains what he means and he says, he says, he said, basically what you want me, he says, you're saying to me, do here in your hometown. LeBron, why you leave us like that, man? This your hometown, man. He from Akron. Come on, say amen. Akron ain't Cleveland. Come on, say amen. But we all claimed him, didn't we? Claimed him. That's our boy when he was scoring 50 and 40. But when homeboy decided that he wasn't going to let, uh, what's the dude's name? What's the dude, the owner of the team? The, the, yeah, the plantation manager. When he decided no more that he didn't want to have to put up with that, we're all mad at him now. Oh, y'all don't see the correlation. All right. Y'all ready to pick up and start stoning me. Let the, he can do what he want to do. He can do what he want to do. But listen now, when, when people don't do what we want them to do, we don't know how to respond and so check him out. He says, y'all want me to do a miracle here, don't you? You want me to do here what I've been doing everywhere else. And then he goes on and he gives two examples. And basically his examples are saying, let me tell you why ain't nothing happening today. <laughs> now, come on now, y'all. I, mean, I, I mean, I can imagine, man. I'm like, okay, Jesus, man, just a word of wisdom, man. Man, don't, don't, just don't, don't start unnecessary fights, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Just use a little tact, man. You don't, gotta, you don't gotta rile the people up. But Jesus is so full of righteous indignation. 
Oh, I've been there where the Holy Ghost is on me to preach a straight word, to preach it straight like it's about to come in a second, like, you, like it's about to come in a second. And, 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 and he says to them, he says, you want me to do here what I've done everywhere else. He said, let me give you two examples. He said, when Elijah the prophet was in Israel and there was no rain or no dew, he said, where did God send him to get taken care of? That's right, to a heathen widow in Zarephath. He said, oh, what about his boy Elisha? These are your number one, number two prophets. What, what about Elisha? Where did he send him? Yeah, he sent him to the same type situation. He sent him to the heathen folk. Okay, let me, let me come down your street. It's the equivalent of God entrusting with non-Seventh-day Adventists some truth or some blessing that you don't have. You sit in here with your smug looks. You sit in here with your lifted noses. You sit in here with your red books. You sit in here with your truth. And act like you got a monopoly on what God, what belongs to God. Is this not what our Lord is saying? The Bible says that after this word. No, 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 no. They just weren't angry. They got homicidal. They got straight homicidal. They straight up trying to kill him. And he didn't been ministering for one year. And they already trying to kill him. Now, now this is what I couldn't wrap my head around. This is his home church. This is like BJ going to Oakwood. Coming back here and the Lord giving him a stern word of reproof and rebuke and truth for us. And we and we folk who know him say, uh-uh, man, somebody go, hey, I know, I know Norton Pax. Give me that 38. I know that's what you're playing. Man, jam him up against the wall and put a gun to his head. Don't you come up in here disrespecting us. Except they didn't use no gun. The Bible says that I'm talking about aunts and uncles. Yeah. It's only 200 people in Nazareth. Everybody related. Yeah. They pick, they pick Jesus up, and they are dragging him out of church on Sabbath. And this is what I. This is the joke I'm talking about. This. I mean, we, we, we are mad because this standard has been broken. And while we are mad that that standard has been broken, we have to break another standard. How are you going to try to kill him on Sabbath and be justified? The Bible says they pick him up, they take him to a cliff. The Bible says, but next thing they know, they had him, but he was gone. <laughs> Yo, hey, I, 
I see Jesus saying this. There goes your miracle. <laughs> That's the only miracle you're getting up in here today. Now, Jesus, we have to assume that Jesus knew that this was going to happen. Why did he go through it in the first place? You know why? Because even people that make a determination that they're not going to hear God, God has to still give you a chance. There are some individuals right now as I'm preaching that are tuning me out. You've tuned me out already. And this is exactly what I want to preach about today. See, what this text reveals is that when Jesus shows up with truth, I said Jesus. See, uh, when Jesus shows up with truth, and see the problem is we always quantify what truth is. We only want truth to be a set of beliefs and doctrines that we hold true. That's what we want truth to believe so that we can feel comfortable and say we have the truth. But you cannot have the truth and not have the love of Jesus. You cannot have the truth and not have forgiveness. You cannot have the truth and not support leadership. You cannot have the truth and not support leadership. You can oh, yeah. don't say, don't, You don't got to say amen because I'm telling you what happened to Jesus. You cannot have the truth and be smug and arrogant. You cannot have the truth and you never lead nobody to Jesus. But you're just preserving. You're just preserving until he comes. You're just holding on. You just, you just, you are an Adventist. And I'm going to tell you, anybody that's told you that you're better than anybody else, no matter what your belief system is, no matter what doctrine you have, if you think for a minute, I see it sometimes, we'll come up in a funeral service and we'll see somebody that don't live like we live or that may not dress like we dress, might step out here and get a smoke on the steps and we think for a minute that we're better. You are, a, you are satanic. Watch what he does. See, the issue in this text, I'm saying, God, show me. What are you saying here? What are you saying? He's saying, when I show up with truth, this is a revelation of what happens. This is how not, this is how to reject truth. So, I don't have a happy ending today. Uh, I want to give you five ways to reject the truth. Five. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully because many of us are in this position. There are things that God has been trying to get through to you personally, but you just can't receive it. You cannot receive it. God, God, and here's the thing about it. A lot of times God will use those closest to us. But see, the hardest people to reach are the people that you're closest to. Look at Jesus. Some of you right now going through hell up in your house. Because you're trying to stand for what's right. Or you're trying to say something that is truthful. But people can, they cannot receive that you have some advantage over them. But just because you're trying to help somebody to see the light doesn't mean that you think you're better. But we don't want nobody to be above us. We don't want nobody. And so the first thing I want to tell you, here's, here's five ways to reject the truth. Number one, be preoccupied with personality. 
So you know why they couldn't hear it from Jesus? You know why they couldn't hear the truth? Because it was from Jesus. That's Joseph's son. So they automatically decided that they wouldn't, they tuned out, thus saith, hear me today. Because there's some of you right now that God has been trying to get through your thick skull as it relates to areas in your life, but you just have so many strongholds set up that you just cannot receive it. You get preoccupied with personality. Or, well, it came from the preacher. You know he don't like me, so I ain't trying to hear that. Listen, one of the things I found is that God will intentionally reveal you truth from people you don't like. As a witness against you that you do not really love the truth. You like comfort. You want to be cuddled. You want to be more special than you are. So you're preoccupied with personality. The second thing is, is pride. Some of our egos are just, uh, we just, man, the Holy Ghost, listen, while we've been fasting, the Holy Ghost dropped some stuff on me. Man, I just thank God that I was in a place to receive it because God has been trying to say that, anybody know what I'm talking about? God has been trying to speak this thing to me. And see, here's another problem. Even while I'm preaching this, there are some of us who are saying, I hope they get it. Listen here, nitwit, I'm talking to you. That's not point. I, that ain't one of my points, but that's another way. When you're automatically hearing so that somebody else can get it. No, you get it. I ain't listening for Sinead. I ain't listening for Camden. I gotta get this thing first. Pride, pride. Some of our egos are so big that we cannot, we are, we, we cannot be humble. Man, I can't come down this aisle. Man, do they know who I am? I almost, I almost doggone built this church. What's it going to look like if I've been up in here 50 years and I walk down here with tears in my eyes? You're going to look like somebody who's trying to be saved. What's it going to look like if I have to go and apologize or if I got to get on my face? We do not want to be humble. And because we're not humble, we do not hear the word of the Lord. Let me move. Number three. Another, another thing that prevents us from hearing truth, personal experience, pain. See, there's things that happen to some of us that have been so bad that anytime it reminds us of our past, we block it out. And you're allowing your experience, your culture, well, well in my culture, we just don't do that. You know, we don't, we, we take care, we do, we do stuff this way. Look, man, hungry people, hear me, hear me. I hope out of this 40 days, you get hungry. If you are not hungry, if you are not hungry for righteousness, you will not be filled. If you think you're full already, you're going to hell. This is why I, I admire people like Chris when they come in here. Come in here, don't know us from Adam, telling us his business. Did he, did he not do that on that Wednesday night? He, he ain't like, oh, well, I don't want nobody to know that I had, I had uh, substance abuse issues. He don't care. He hungry. And some of y'all are too busy trying to cover up secrets, cover up stuff that's going on, 
because you don't want people to look at you a certain way and, all, and what you're doing, you're on your way to hell with your Bible and your Sabbath school lesson. You're going to hell because you do not want to humble yourself. Number four, personal agendas. See, the problem with them is they wanted Jesus to be the kind of Jesus that they wanted. And so because he wasn't coming to be that Jesus, they would not, he, they would not receive the truth. And some of us have agendas. We have things that we're trying to do and we can't hear God because our agendas are blocking out the Holy Spirit. And finally, number five, personal positions and beliefs. Some of y'all can't hear truth because you're too busy holding on to a lie. Now, you know what the big idea of my sermon is? The truth hurts, but lies kill. Go ahead and play something.